Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. One, two, three. is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and Andy and I are back with Season 2, Episode 9, as Team USA bring home the gold medal, defeats Canada 2-0, and remains the powerhouse of the World Juniors. And Andy, how are you doing today, waking up as a gold medal, a champion, and uh, a brand new person who takes a brand new outlook on barrels? Oh man, I was on, definitely on cloud nine this morning. Uh especially because some, as much as I enjoyed the, the first half of the tournament and the, the round-robin play and the group play, it just doesn't... It's not the same as a, a high-stakes, like, for all the marbles hockey game. And that's what that was last night. And, you know, I was obviously nervous going into it, especially because uh, specifically the Canadian media, you know, they had all but anointed Canada you know, the favorites and that they were most likely going to win. And that, you know, they were throwing dirt on team USA before they even, <laughs> before the puck even dropped. Uh, but yeah, I'm as elated. The boys got done. Um, Trevor's egress. He, uh, he had some pretty, uh, yeah, bold comments before the game. And I, it's what I thought to myself, but when he said it, I, you know, I chuckled and I'm like, man, this kid has got some, some, you know, he's got some brass ones and, but he, he backed it up and he was absolutely right. You know, they got, Canada had not been punched in the mouth, you know, until that point in the tournament. And they got outworked uh, and, uh, and, you know, Team USA, once they they leaned on them, they got their goals and then they kept everything to the outside and never really let them establish a presence in the center of the ice. And I didn't honestly, I didn't see outside of me, you know, some forwards from Canada with like Connor Zary, those guys I saw that tried to drive to the you know, contest the middle of the ice, but a lot of it was to the outside and just trying to sling the puck around like they had been doing all tournament, just making little, you know, uh, chip plays to one another. And that's not, you know, Team USA had their skating legs. You know, they were, uh, yeah, they contested every puck. They won their battles and they kept everything to the outside. And they're, uh, once again, World Junior uh, gold uh, gold medalist. So congratulations to them. Uh, gutsy win by them. And, you know, they definitely deserve it. They were the better team on paper for sure. Yeah, I mean, waking up this morning, I had a crazy morning, just so busy, and you're just reading, you know, tweet after tweet of just like different things and the barrel chaos and, and you know, looking back at that game, you realize it was just, it was a perfect prime example of a team that had no momentum and a team 
that had all the momentum. And I mean this as in Canada was they started the tournament standing at the finish line. They knew they were going to get there without a doubt. If you look at that roster, how do you not crown that team the champion prior to the tournament? They had not one skater, starting skater, drafted later than the first round. I mean, their goaltenders are the only players, I think, on the roster that weren't drafted in the first round. They have all-star elite talent. They have kids that are probably going to be stars in the NHL. I mean, they had one of the best rosters that like I've seen. So how do you not crown that team the, the world champion before that tournament starts? But here's the thing. Canada knew they were starting at the finish line. They knew they were going to get into the the uh, quarterfinals. They knew they were going to play someone weak, and they'd probably breeze right through the set, maybe get a little challenge in the semifinal, and they had no challenge there. They started at the final, and the problem is they waited until they saw a Team USA trucking along full speed ahead, and it was too late. They weren't able to cross the finish line quick enough. The U.S. just took over, passed them, and now they're the gold medalists. They're the champions. I mean, it was an unbelievable game. But you can tell, Andy. I mean, we went back and forth throughout the game. Canada didn't look like they wanted to skate. I mean, they they were they were below their circles. They were awful. I mean, you watch their defensemen just throwing pucks blindly up the boards because that's that's what worked. They never really had to actually adjust to anything, uh, any sort of real pressure. They haven't given up a goal five on five. They literally were not tested at all. And again, if I had, you know, a million dollars, I would have threw it on the U.S. I mean, I didn't I didn't want to totally jinx them. And I knew that Canada was skillful enough to maybe pull the win off. But my God, I mean, the effort that Canada had, it just wasn't there. It wasn't good enough to be a champion. And that's what happens. And, and you know what? Those kids are probably better better off for this because that's a huge life lesson. And that's a huge hockey lesson that many people don't ever get to experience. And, you know, hopefully they take it to their big league clubs. And, you know, whenever whenever they're, you know, facing adversity in the playoffs uh, in the NHL playoffs and fighting for a Stanley Cup, they can, you know, think back at those moments where it's like can't underestimate anybody. You have to outwork everybody every single shift. And there's no days off. And they took a day off and. And here we are, U.S. are crowned, you know, the gold medalist. So, uh, Andy, this obviously, you know, has caused an uproar on Twitter. You know, U.S. and Canada rivalry. Is U.S. like now, are they now the, you know, the number one, you know, junior program in the world? Uh, You know, I don't know if I would say that just yet because you look at, uh, in terms of golds in the last decade between, you know, it's funny between Finland uh, who even, you know, had a good, perform- a great performance uh, beating Russia to, you know, they probably, I they gave the U S probably their most difficult matchup of the, of the tournament. Um, just despite not maybe having a lot of star power this year. And that's just a testament to that program and how those teams always play year in, year out. They always, uh, yeah, and Anton Lundell had a great tournament for them as their captain. But um, yeah, between honestly, I would say at the very least, you just I just don't I don't know if you can anoint them, uh, you know, the best that specifically that US and NDTDP or the, you know, just coming from the NCAA route that you know the best uh, junior feeder system in the world. But at the same time, it's um, yeah, I don't know if it's just it's a lesson about with the media and just saying all these you know all these <laughs> just anointing Canada the winner before the puck drops, you know, that it's a, it's a folly. Cause even, you know, even if they are the better team may potentially on paper or have the most, uh, you know, maybe they do have their potential might once they maturate might be a little bit higher that like, these are short tournaments and they're about, uh, yeah, they're about overcoming adversity and they're about, uh, making quick adjustments, mental adjustments. And I, like you would put it so eloquently before that, you know, Team USA had to grow to get to this point. They had to make every game. They had to make 
you know, uh, little mental adjustments and it showed and they were, they showed up because they were used to having to, you know, like you said, the uh, candidate could just wrap it up the boards and have a, you know, one of their skilled forwards just collect it, you know, with their skating and time and then make a chip play to someone coming up the middle. They couldn't, but they had no time and space against uh, team USA. Even some of the slower guys on USA, like Kaliev, they were working their tails off and he's not a, fast guy he's a pretty slow guy but he was moving to the best of his ability and he was you know trying to hound the puck and just yeah I, you, I can't say enough about how well uh usa's team defense was and even guys who maybe hadn't really separated themselves that much in the tournament you know i thought cam york's tournament for the most part had been uh you know it's just been fine he'd been noticeable but he's our captain and that i thought that was his hit between him and sanderson that was probably his best game you know he was just decisive calm poised you know sanderson skating the puck out of pressure look makes it look so easy i'm you know i'm sure the senators are thrilled with that um and yeah i mean just at the end of the day like you had like you had said that uh you know you have to wonder it's that even though there's so much potential in the on the canada team but um those 2001 birthdays from that USNDP team that had York and Zegras and Jack Hughes and Caulfield. Like if you remember that, you know, they, this is, this was their final kick at the can and they had been, you know, for some of them, they had been had t- uh, two years of heartbreak, you know, they lose to Finland uh, uh, two years ago. Um, or was that last year? Did Finland eliminate them? I forget, but whatever. They just, you know, <laughs> it was last year uh, that Finland juniors make that Finland one. Yeah, they lose someone last year, and then, uh, you know, so obviously, uh, but ne- listen, next year, the U.S. Uh, doesn't, the crop for the U.S. is, you know, all these guys are no longer eligible, so there's, you know, uh, your, Matt, your Matty Beniers, who are who draft eligible this year, those those will be your returning players, and, you know, your Berards probably, and, but, yeah, so I don't expect next year's crop of the U.S. to make much noise in that tournament, you know, they, they can medal, but I don't, at least on paper right now, I don't know, so... But this was their final kick of the can, and it meant more to them. You know, they uh, Canada, and I think Canada's coach saw that too. They said we were it seemed like we, they were playing to win. U.S. was playing to win, and we were playing not to lose. And that's kind of the long and short of it. Doesn't matter how talented you are. Yeah, and tournaments like these and Stanley Cup Finals, it's all about momentum. It doesn't matter who's on your roster or who, um, you know, what kind of points your you know best player is putting up. It's all about momentum. It's team momentum. And you saw it. This is a perfect example of it. And you're right. I mean, Canada was just so skilled and they just never had to overcome a single obstacle. I mean, how do you go through a tournament and not give up a five on five ball? I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, that's unheard of, like in a <laughs> in a tournament. It just it's just amazing to show like the 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 collapse, you know, that it, that Canada experienced. I know I'm like kind of stuttering for words, but this is like, this was unbelievable. It really was. It was such a good hockey game to watch. And, you know, it's not that Canada, I thought, you know, just gave up and like they had their, they had their moments. It's just the U S was always able to weather the storm. I mean, there was, they gave them nothing. They gave them one shot on goal and they were able to gather the puck and, and, and get it out. You just never felt, you just thought it was like one threat and done one shot and they're done. They never had the cluster, the fury of shots coming from every which direction. Every time you thought, Oh man, they might have the U S pinned the U S chipped it out and they were able to change. And, um, you know, I give a lot of credit to the U S defense. I thought they played structured. I thought they were overwhelmed at times with some of the forwards, especially by fuel, just the, the body and size. But I really felt you know, they did their absolute best to box people out and keep good positioning. And, and, and that's what allowed a lot of the times for the U.S. to maybe win a loose puck and, and squirt it out of the zone for a change. But that's exactly what you needed to do. They played exactly how you needed to play to beat Canada. Um, and yeah, it just overall, you know, looking at that group and how they were outmatched, you, you have to be proud. And you know, as an American, you know, it's awesome to to see the program, you know, pull a game off like that. And and hopefully young kids, you know, that are, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, hopefully, you know, they want to throw on a pair of skates. And and who knows, maybe you do get the next Zegris out of out of that bunch. And Zegris mm-hmm. is a New York boy. So shout out to him. 
Um, yeah, Bedford, right? Yeah, Bedford. And he's, uh, he's uh, clearly was the best player in this tournament. I think now he has the you know the most points of uh, is he tied for the most points or does he have sole possession of the most points in a from an American in a World Juniors tournament? I think he needed one more point. Um, but the I guy be tied. Are they tied? I for I, honestly I I, maybe he's tied for. I think he's tied for second, but the guy, the him and uh, well, there's Sh- Schrader is in first. Yeah, but that's it's he's that's bullshit. He's got 27 points, but that's in three tournaments. Zegers has 26 points in yeah. two tournaments. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. just this, that's just the comparison to see what type of tournament you know Zegers had. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was historic, obviously in in U.S. standards and. Uh, his performance will certainly be spoken about from for years to come. But, uh, you know, there are other questions, too, that, you know, especially someone like you that could answer that, you know, really delves into the prospect pool and stuff like that. Um, you know, you look at draft picks like Berard and, uh, and I single him out just because I think he really elevated his stock. Do you think, like, looking back now, like, scouts, I know it's just a short tournament and, you know, it looks can be deceiving, certainly, and you never want to, you know, it's like a roller coaster. The highs are the highs and lows are lows. You got to keep, you know, in the middle. Excuse me, I'm drinking a, a seltzer right here and I'm burping up a storm. But do you think that scouts look at uh, a guy like Berard and think, like, you know, wow, like, where did we miss this? Because I, I feel like he's better than a fifth round draft pick, like looking at him now at the, after that tournament. Yeah. Well, a lot, you know, it's funny because a lot of, there was a lot of, I think the, the alternative scouting community was much higher on Berard than at least to my knowledge, than like, you know, central scouting and ISS and all the, these other uh, scouting services. But, you know, in fairness, Berard kind of fell off in, you know, he was, amazing to start his season last year for the national development program. And then he kind of uh, fell off as the year went on. So, you know, I think, yeah, there was some, you know, maybe had some games where he was just wasn't, it wasn't clicking and he just wasn't visible and they're like, he's already tiny. So it's, you know, maybe he got docked a little bit more because, you know, a lot of the times if you have at least an enticing physical package or skills package, which Berard doesn't, it's not his, it's not what makes him a interesting prospect. It's uh, yeah, it wasn't enough to overcome that. So they're just like, all right, he's just a. Uh... Then they just kind of look at the stat line, or, you know, especially if when you're on a team with other uh, players who are maybe touted a little bit high, higher at the time, like your Colangelos and such. But um, excuse me, not Colangelo, but uh, uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things that that now you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because right. look, I mean, we ever, a lot's been made about how much, um, on TSN that, uh, Ray Ferraro has been getting on Askarov where he's not sold on him. And he's like, he looks, uh, you know, listen, Askarov is still an excellent goalie prospect, but at the same time, it's like, this is not, you can't put too much stock into these short tournaments. I, you definitely have to take me- I definitely do think you have to take mental notes. Like I, you know, people I've seen a lot of people say that Byfield has been underwhelming. And outside of that one performance he had uh, against Switzerland, he's been underwhelming this tournament. I mean, I don't know. I think I thought he was one of the more noticeable players for Canada last night. I thought he was Absolutely. one of the only ones who made it happen. I thought, you know, I thought Drysdale and Byram, who had been good all tournament, were really fighting it. I didn't really notice Jamie Drysdale as much. Byram was trying to create, but at the same time, you know, defensively, he was really struggling. You know, Brain Schneider, uh, I say this as a Rangers, I think he's, I didn't like his start to the tournament, but I think he just kind of showed he is in true throwback fashion. He's a gamer and his two, his, he was probably one, you know, he was definitely the best, Canada's best defenseman uh, when they beat Russia. And then, um, yeah, he was definitely, yeah, he was definitely their best defenseman, you know, in beating Russia. And then. Uh, I thought he was pretty good again. You know, he's not the mo- he's not going to be able to do what Drysdale and Byram do and just like skate him out. Sometimes he's going to blindly wrap pucks and, but he was aggressive. He on the PK, he was you know, he was winning battles against like two, three, three U.S. skaters trying to take it from him. Canada's best making, chance came off his skate. He's he, he, he pucks in instead of just 
he's decisive and yeah, he's a bit of a throwback, but he's keeps it simple and he's, but he still has mobility and he still can, you know, get shots on goal. And, you know, he, he almost had a surefire goal, but Knight got, uh, got a tip of a glove on it, you know, you know, a yawning cage. And that was one of their, their best chances of the night, you know? So, um, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a short tournament. So you don't want to, you take, you take mental notes, but at the same time that, you know, I don't think this means this isn't like confirmation that Byfield won't be any, it won't be any good or that uh, Perfetti is like, wasn't a good pick for Winnipeg. Cause yeah, some of these guys, you know, there's a lot, it's, there's, yeah, it's a short tournament. These things can happen. You know, it's the, there are so many people that have, or in the annals of hockey history that are players that are, you know, world junior heroes that if you look at their, what they do once they get to the national hockey league, you know, half it's, you know, some of them don't even make it. You know, some of them flame out and some guys who didn't, you know, make a peep go on to be NHL superstars. So you can't put too much stock into it. But at the same time, it is kind of cool to, you know, especially those special guys that have excellent tournaments and then, you know, go on to be dominant NHL players. And it just kind of adds to their their uh, their luster. Yeah. And and it's just, you know, I pointed out Berard in the beginning. It's just because he's a Rangers. First off, he's a Rangers draft pick. So he's relevant to this podcast. And he is also a fifth round pick, which, you know, say what you want about the fifth round. I'm not, you know, knocking them, but they are fifth round picks. So you don't really expect much out of them. And I really thought that that kid made a name for himself at that tournament. I mean, he did it in the literal sense. Now he's known as the buzzsaw, but you know, I, I really liked his game. I thought he was, you know, had some instinct to him. Uh, you know, I thought he read the play really well. Uh, he definitely needs to gain some weight and, and become a little bit stronger and stuff like that. But, you know, overall, I was very pleased with his play. And, and he didn't he didn't see if you tr- told me that that kid was taken in, you know, the second round, I'd be like, yeah, of course. And look at him, um, you know, so I, I with Berard, I really my, one of my only concerns is that for his size at time, like I always liked the motor, but I didn't know if the foot speed would ever be good enough. And now this tournament has definitely has uh, at least left me a little bit more self-assured. I liked his skating has seemed to improve, you know, a little bit, which is good. You know, I like his footwork seemed a little bit better from what I remember uh, in limited viewing last year. Uh, he's got a, you know, a little bit straight line speed. I liked his speed when driving and, you know, he's always just had that ability to like, uh, using his body and, you know, he's not, he doesn't have amazing hands, but he just has this weird knack for being able to shield the puck till a seam opens and then just get a pass on a guy's tape. You know, he's not, and he's not, you know like he kind of, rem- he's not, I wouldn't call him. He kind of reminded me of uh, uh, Haglin a little bit, you know, Haglin had that, yeah. you know, the burst of speed. He was a spark plug. Uh, obviously, you know, wasn't the most skilled player on the ice, but he made stuff happen because he was, you know, in the right, areas at the right time and he did use his speed correctly and you know he d- he does angle plays correctly and you know I just thought I saw all of that and and you know and you know I single out you know the championship game only because j- just of the matchup so you really can truly you know it's one thing if he you know is is an all-star against you know you know Slovakia or uh, uh, who's Switzerland you know what I mean it's it's another thing to do it against you know the I guess they're not the future gold medal champions, but the, you know, the silver medalist. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised about, you know, his ability to, you know, do that against Canada and going back to Schneider too. My thoughts on him was that first off, number one, he's a man, he's a grown man playing against boys. I, th- I just thought he was very strong every time there was a battle along the boards you know, you never felt that he was going to get pushed off or, or you know, knocked off the puck. And, uh, you know, I, I thought he was the best defenseman below the dots, their dots uh, for Canada. And, you know, he doesn't have the offensive prowess that obviously his teammates had. But, yeah, you're spot on with, you know, he did everything else correctly. And, you know, he did seem to get better as the tournament went on. Obviously, he had a rough, rough start to that tournament. But, you know, also, too, Andy, um, looking at Schneider, you know, and, and just like what he brings as a hockey player, 
where do you see that, you know, fitting in with the New York Rangers in the future? Obviously, if he keeps developing the way he does, gets bigger, faster, stronger, works on his skating and, and everything you need to do be, to become a pro, where do you see him, you know, as a New York Ranger? Um, you know, it's, I think as much, you know, I, I still think Braden Schneider, when the dust settles is, uh, a third pairing defenseman for the Rangers, but not an, and potentially a second pairing one. I don't think he's a first pairing guy. I just don't, you know, I, as steady as his game is, uh, I just don't, I don't, you know, I don't see that, but you know, I could be pleasantly surprised, but at the same time, it's that, like you said, he'll be, he's going to, you know, he's be on their first, pen, uh, you know, first penalty kill unit. Um, he's going to eat minutes, especially, you know, in playoff, you just see that he's, you know, and I think he's a guy that will actually get moved up because he'll, he seems to step up in big moments when the pressure's on, you know, kind of like Truba. And it's funny with Adam, you know, uh, at Rangers training camp this morning, you know, they, the, the media was speaking to Truba and he said, you know, New York signed me to do for a reason to play my game. And I feel like I didn't, you know, I was trying to play, be something else or something I wasn't last year in New York, like that he like was trying to, you know, mentally he was saying, this is the role, uh, that is that I'm, you know, I got signed and this is the role that New York doesn't have. So this is what I'm going to do. And it, the game got away from him a bit. And then only in the bubble and towards the tail end of last season, when he started playing more, just, you know, his usual brand of like, not too flashy, but if you lean on me, I'm going to like, you know, be heavy below the dots and then try to just make things simple. And then if I'm in the zone, I'm going to, you know, fire up a huge cannon. And that, that's, you know, I think that's the type of player that brain Schneider kind of reminds me of is that a guy who that is, that's when he's going to, that's what, you know, and I think that's the thing is that there's kind of, there's regular season players and then there's uh postseason players. And I think brain Schneider's a guy that sometimes Ranger fans will be like, why is this in the regular season when, you know, things are maybe a little boring. It's like, why is he wrapping a puck? Why do you do that blind? But then, when the pressure is on and it's all about winning all your battles and the other team's giving it a full effort, you have a guy who's just too strong and too imposing and too mean and too, and gives, you know, gives you pause about trying to go down his side of the ice, you know? And I think that's, I definitely saw that against Russia. It seems that by the, you know, you know, that as the game was winding down, it's like they were afraid to come down his side a bit, you know, almost because they knew they, he was going to close them out. You know, he, he was battling with Pod Colson and he handled him. And Pod Colson is a strong kid, but Schneider just, you know, had the get perfect gap, close at the right time, got in front of him and, you know, gave, you know, heavy pressure in the boards and just used his leverage. And then would just made an, a simple pass out because that's not his game. He's not going to, you know, then all of a sudden uh, use his own skating to get out of the zone. And yeah, he did what he had to do. So that's definitely where I see him, you know, fitting with the Rangers. He's a guy that, you know, his true value is, is in big moments. Like we kind of like what we saw last night. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I agree with everything that you say. I, I would say that he is probably a or could become. I mean, it really honestly depends on, you know, how he develops. But yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. I think he's a guy that could actually even move up to a top four defensive spot in a shutdown game, you know, where you're putting him out every other shift because he's not going to give anybody anything. And, you know, he's the last person you're going to want to see in the corners. And I could see in, in, in tight games, if you're up by like two goals, you know, you could rely on him to go out every other shift, uh, you know, just to be, you know, to count on his structure and his discipline. And, and hopefully, I mean, that continues and develops into, you know, an NHL player. He obviously could fizzle out and become nothing, and which it wouldn't be surprising because that's our luck as New York Ranger fans sometimes. But um, I also had a really, uh, you can comment on, on my take on Schneider, but I had another hot take though. So comment on my Schneider talk. And then I got a hot take for you that I want you to critique. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I definitely, like you said, I definitely think he is a guy that will get moved up in big moments. And listen, I think he is a guy also that if depending on who the defenseman is, like maybe he is the perfect eventual partner um, for once the Rangers have at least a, a guy, you know, I don't know. We don't know if Fox is at, you know, as much as I would like to anoint Fox as like a number one defenseman. Uh, yeah. I, it's just, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. You know, you, every, everything I saw last year was super promising, but 
we are so jammed on the right side. So, you know, between, uh, yeah, just between Tony and Fox and just the competition on that side, you know, Schneider being a, a right-handed shot. It's, yeah, it's kind of hard to right now to, to forecast, you know, we have Kay Andre coming in. Nils Lundqvist has has been had, you know, after maybe the slower start has like been absolutely on fire and he's just right where you want him to be as a Rangers fan. So, yeah, I don't know which one of these guys is the odd man out eventually uh, or is is included in a package. I wouldn't surprise if it would be Nils, but at the same time, yeah, you just don't know. But, um, yeah, it's it's definitely nice to be spoiled for choice. And like you said, you know, the Rangers clearly this last draft they had – uh, a goal in mind and they wanted players that were harder to play against, especially how easily they got routed by Caroline in the bubble. And whether it's Berard just at the end of shifts, just all effort dumping the tank and trying to kill as much time or just putting it on net, even though it's a low percentage chance and then trying to rush in to get the whistle, those type of things. Those are just things that just your pedestrian players or even your pedestrian superstars. Sometimes they just don't think of or do. And like the gamers like a Schneider or Berard, even though they're not going to, Maybe they're not the ones who are you know, scoring the goals, but those things matter, you know, and they're just little effort things that you just, they, they just come, you know, that's kind of the way they have to play, but it gives their team an advantage. So, and this just, there's those, those things are important, every little thing. And, you know, we've seen the media say Quinn has been harping on these things because it, it all adds up. If you're doing all these, if you're winning your battles and your stick position is good and you're not, you know, you're, you're not sauntering up the ice or you're, you know, you're skating into your passes, you're following your passes up and just, you know, if everyone's doing all those little things, you know, in your lineup, whether how skilled they are or not, you're going to have success in some way or another. So, and if you can, especially if you're a team that has, you know, you look at uh, the Zegris, Turcott, you know, Caulfield, uh, Boldy, Brink, Beniers, you know, you have skilled guys. Uh, but at the same time, it's like if you even have those guys buying into that, you're going to have a lot of success. And obviously, US has a gold medal to show for it. Did you know that your favorite band also loves your favorite hockey team? If you love hockey and you love music, you're going to love Bar Down Breakdown, a podcast that explores the crossover between alternative music and the sport we love, hockey. Every NHL player wants to be in a band, and every band guy wants to be an, an, you know, a pro athlete. With guests from all over the globe, come along with us as we interview some of the most captivating names in alternative music and talk about why we love hockey and how it's influenced us. No, there was a, for a few seconds, I thought like, well, maybe we should wear a Montreal jersey. Then the NHL was like, "Mm, I think you should stay neutral. (laughs) And we're like, yeah, Yeah. you know what? You're probably right. So tune in every Tuesday on the Hockey Podcast Network, where we'll have a brand new guest and a unique look into the bridge between hockey and music. That's a good transition for my... Uh, hot take and my hot take is Andy right. is that I think Cole Caulfield is going to be an NHL bust and I guess you want my reason now and my reason is that number one I think he's too small last night was probably the biggest game he's ever played in in his life he got knocked off the puck constantly the kid's got a lot of skill but his skill is like a men's league skill and in last game and I know it's only one game, but I feel like that game last night mattered. I think it mattered to those players. And I think it's fair for me to judge him based off of that one game for this hot take. And I am going to predict that Caulfield is going to be an NHL bust. Yeah, you know, as far as in my eyes with Caulfield, like I think I just I think that there's a lot has been made of that. He is another kid who struggled this tournament. He only had what, two, two goals or something like that. You know, he was, I think he was good in their, you know, he was good in their exhibition games, but uh, yeah, I didn't have a problem with his effort level last night, but like you said, it's just, Oh no, he was definitely trying. Nothing to do with his effort. Yeah. He can, he's a guy. I don't, I, I, I doubt, you know, I have a strong feeling that, you know, his in, if he carves it as an HL player, he's going to be eventually seen as that. Like he's a guy who maybe uh, should not be, maybe not, not not that he shouldn't have been selected there because as you know, the amount of goals he had for the NDP speaks for itself, but, and listen, he's, he gets a lot of shots and he can get around the net and his skating is better than I remember. Uh, 
he's definitely it seems he's definitely worked on trying to be a little bit more elusive and skirting but at the same time i just don't i think in the national hockey league you know unless he becomes yeah he's not i just don't see him as a guy who's going to be able to carry the mail all the time i don't think he is i just don't think he is as you know you know as elusive at times as he can be or shifty it's just I just I don't see it yet unless he gets it yet another notch faster or his he gets some separation ability or you you know maybe a little bit better at faking out with body language or hands because I didn't see too much of that throughout this tournament. Um, but yeah, he's tenacious. But yeah, you're right. He was kind of getting pushed. He got pushed out of uh, the the areas of the ice. You know, he's good at buzzing the tower and, and maybe at a good time, which you know will could serve him well. But at the same time, immensely in terms. Of- yeah, but yeah, you're right. It's like in terms of a, you know, a bona fide first round talent who is can just repeatedly be in dangerous areas with the puck. Yeah, I don't know if I see it. And that's not, you know, I listen, I, I hope I'm wrong because I'm really I was really I was kind of flabbergasted that he fell to where he was because of just his potential, because I still think his potential super high. You know, he's got pretty good hands. He's got an excellent shot, you know, good velocity for his size. So. And listen, he might be a guy who who is just deadly on your power play, you know, but at the same time, like I think at the time I was thinking if he can become a Cam Atkinson type, that might be a good, but I just don't see it. Atkinson doesn't get pushed out of those areas. He's small, but he's stocky and he's and I just think Caulfield is a little bit. I just didn't see him push to those areas. And I think he could I think he could get there. I think it's just one of those things that he's kind of used to playing around and being able to score from those areas. You see how good his accuracy is from the outside, but I just think he's going to have to, even if it means at this comes at the, you know, if it's like when he goes back to Wisconsin, even if it means sacrificing offense, like get your ass to the middle dice. Like you need, you are going to need to shoot from high danger areas with more consistency. If you're, if you want to play in the national hockey league, if you're, if you're a goal scorer and that's the truth, like, Unless you want to be a power play, Brandon Peary, which is possible, I guess, you know, but if you don't want to be, if you want to be better than a Brandon Peary, you have to learn to at least get chances from those areas and not just like I had said, you know, men's league buzzing the tower at opportune moments. Uh, those are good, but you just have, he's got to learn to either collect his shot and get to the inside more and not just try to do all of his work, you know, damage on the power play. He needs five on five. He has to, he has to show more. So I definitely think it's, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to call him a bust just yet, but at the same time, I think you can see that these are clear issues, and if he doesn't uh, clear them up, then I don't know how much success he's going to have in the NHL. I'll call him a, I'll call him a bust all the way up to his 500 goals that he scores in his NHL career. <laughs> there so, you go, and then he'll, he'll he'll send you a nice little card. Yeah, he can send me a card. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's perfectly fine. I'll do that. Um, yeah. Okay, so. Uh, another thing, I, I guess we can transition unless you want to talk more U.S. hockey, which we can. Um, did you have anything else? No, listen, I just want to say Spencer Knight. Uh, oh, yes, was very, yes. very. You know, I think it would be we'd be remiss if we didn't mention how good he was last night. Like I said, he was so poised. He had that. We were talking. We and a few podcasts ago, we talked about he had. Listen, he had. A, he was poor in the, that first uh, round group play against Russia. But that, like he dusted himself, he, you know, he dusted himself off and he was solid the rest of the tournament, you know, and even in in uh, difficult games versus Finland, like I don't he never he was always calm and he played his best. He was amazing last night. And listen, even Le- Levi for Canada was good, too. I don't think he was he got beat on a deflection, which you, not much you can do about that. And then kind of late, late to his post on a on an unchecked Zegers on, you know, on his far post. So, and just missed off the push and it was because it was elevated. So not much he really could have done, you know? So it's not like, I thought he was good. You know, it's just, it just kind of shows you the difference that, uh, he, he got some love from his posts at times did, did night, but he never was scrambling. He was always calm, cool, collected. And, uh, yeah. And that's usually that bodes well for him. I think, you know, I think I've, I've been a guy who's been a little critical of night at times where in the past where it's like, I didn't see where all the hype is, but this was the first time that I was like, wow, if he, you know, if he can, and not that this is something he hasn't done before, but just if he can just remain that, uh, poised and, you know, he, he just had that thing where he knew when to freeze pucks, he knew when to glove them down and just, and, you know, even his play with the puck at times, he was just wasn't too, wasn't too hasty or rattled or, you know, so, uh, you know, all the credit in the world to him. I think he was as good as, you know, everyone on the U.S. team was last night, including Zeros. He was their best player and he had to be. And yeah, he was. And that's 
club. Huge reason why they won the gold. So, yeah, uh, all in all, it was such a fun tournament. It, you know, it didn't, unfortunately, didn't really ramp up towards until towards the end. But those, you know, the quarterfinals into the, the finals last night, man, it was nice to watch competitive hockey. And the best thing the World Juniors had done for us is that we're like, oh, man, that was so great. And then you look up and the NHL starts in a, what, a week? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Rangers start. Yeah. So, in a week from today. So, so, yeah. So, that's a, the best gift they could have given us. So, hats off to all those, you know, uh, young men who went to the bubble. It was definitely some sacrifice. Some of them had to quarantine for, you know, it, you put all the quarantine time they have to get, and it was like at least three to almost a month. So, they paid the price to do it. And, you know, some of them didn't get the result they wanted, but, at the end of the day, it's a learning experience, and uh, no matter where, no matter if you meddled or you got blown out, but you, you know, no one can ever take that away from you that you got to, you made it here, you got to play that stage, and you know, as long as you take it as a, you know, something to learn, build off of, and learn from moving forward, you'll be the better for it. So good for good for them, and a great congratulations on a great tournament to everyone, and especially you know, uh, went off without a hitch. They don't have the. Uh, you know, the IHF runs a good tournament always, but. Yeah, you know, it's tough to keep everyone safe. And, you know, especially when you're dealing with uh, kids, it's even more important. So they did a great job, everyone who worked on the tournament. So, you know, my hat's off to everyone. And it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was a great tournament. And uh, to go back to night real quick, I'm a victim of uh, my own take here, I guess. It's just that, you know, the, the entire game and both goalies, really, they were both just so sound and crisp that there wasn't really any highlight reel saves because they were always in the right position. You know, they, they had all the right reads. They were, you know, side to side, perfect timing. You just, uh, you know, never felt that they were really, you know, at threat to score a goal. It really took, you know, a fluky deflection and another fluky play behind the net just to confuse uh, Levi a little bit. And, you know, obviously Zegras, the best player in the tournament, was able to put one home to seal the deal. So, yeah, you know, hats off to both goaltenders, especially Knight for pitching a shutout and, you know, the gold medal game. Uh, they got to be an incredible feeling. And, and Florida is in, you know, Florida's going to be very lucky to have you if you, you know, keep developing like that because, man, I mean, that was a big game and he played a very, very good, mature, structured game. And uh, kudos to him. But this is a New York Rangers podcast, so we're going to talk a little bit about New York Rangers hockey. I you know, came across, uh, I believe cupcake Pauly on the capture podcast tweeted out the NBC schedule for all the primetime games. Now the East division as the, what is it? Mass mutual division, which we can talk about that too. The mm -hmm. renaming of the divisions, but the East division has 43 at a minimum. Cause there's some TBDs and you know, they're probably going to be in there. They have 43 of the 101. Now, obviously, with the Canadian division, those games are probably not going to be, you know, you know, as exact. I don't even know the word as uh, marketed, I guess, uh, with NBC. Yeah. But still, forty-three games from the East. You know, I do. I, I'm walking around today as a New York Ranger fan, as a host of a New York Rangers podcast, as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. I am walking around, Andy, with a little bit of arrogance in my swagger. As you know, I go about my day knowing that I am part of pretty much a coastal elitist division of the <laughs> National Hockey League. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I mean, listen, so it's one of those things I feel like one, if you if you're it's the most competitive division, I would think, uh, of the four new divisions that have been drawn. Because if you look at a lot of those teams in uh, the the new, I guess they're calling it West Division, right? Um, that listen, I mean, the 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 Blackhawks are, or no, they're in the Central, excuse me. But yeah, you look at teams like the Coyotes, uh, the San, the Anaheim Ducks, the LA Kings, the San Jose Sharks. It's like these are teams, like most of those teams are rebuilding, or they they are. So you want, especially with you know between catering to the and listen at the end of the day the nhl right now hence why we now have name new names or sponsorships for each division needs revenue with the the loss of having people in the building um and so they're gonna not only are they gonna dip into their uh 
into their you know their most uh, watched markets for these games, which makes sense. Uh, at this, they also yeah they have to go where the intrigue is. So the East just happens to a be in metropolitan areas that have high viewership that always get kind of uh, you know featured. Uh, and yeah, you fold in the Boston Bruins into this division, which obviously helps. Um, yeah, Buffalo always has good numbers, so they get at least a couple of games, no matter if they're terrible or not. So that helps. And yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, and even teams like the Devils and the Islanders each getting a game. Uh, I forget how many uh, those teams have. They might at least have two, right? I, the I, have the Islanders, I think I saw a couple times. I've, I think I've only saw the one Devils or two. once. Um, yeah, well, you know, but at the same time, you know, and listen, the Rangers have, you know, the first overall pick. So yeah, that 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 factors in, and they're a team on the rise. And I just think, yeah, I think it's a lot of things. It's like I think it's there. It's just the circumstances, uh, with the you know the now with just having us all sole Canadian division, it kind of just keeps them separate. And that's they'll be you know they'll all those hockey night in Canada games. I'm sure will be uh, they don't have to worry about featuring a, a team in in the yeah in the United States. So I just think it worked out that way. And between trying to do what they can to maximize revenue right now, they're just not going to like, I don't, you know, I understand you have to grow the game, but, uh, and I'm usually the the most, I usually bang that flag the hardest about you have to take risks to grow the game. Uh, not when you are desperately need revenue and you're selling, you know, ad space on your, uh, your divisions and your helmets and such, because yeah, they just, they need money right now. They need, uh, flow, And if this is what they think, you know that's they don't you know they don't mess around with that stuff they put research r&d into it and this is what they came up with so i definitely it makes sense you know and it just happens that it's the, probably the most competitive division the matchups will be the best yeah no i i agree with you which is why i'm again i'm walking around with a little sense of arrogance today because i'm part of the you know the beast of the east and you know it's just like we're getting all this love and attention and you know there is a bone to pick but i really want to get into the ads on the helmets and and eventually jerseys you know it's going to happen eventually because i think it's the easiest and you know realistic uh way the nhl is going to make even more money um you know it's going to be the advertisements permanently on the helmets and then eventually onto the jerseys now i am a i am Actually, I'm not even a hockey purist. I'm a hockey in-betweener because there's some things where I'm a hockey purist on and there's other things where I just kind of roll my eyes. Um, One of the things I am a purist on is the jerseys and the helmets not having ads on. But I am also a realist when I say I understand the sacrifices that I'm going to have to make as a fan in order for the the game to gain popularity. And you know, the ads on the helmets are certainly distracting and it's certainly, you know, not appealing to me as a New York Rangers fan of original six. Another reason why I feel a little bit of an elitist sense, uh, you know, after the division uh, we're in, but you know, it's one of those things that you're going to get used to it as time goes on. And it's, it's only going to make the game better. Obviously, in a couple of years, if the game really isn't, you know, trending the way they thought it was with all this extra revenue, maybe they get rid of it. Probably not. You know, odds are it's going to move on to the jerseys and you're just going to have to accept it. I mean, honestly, like when you were a kid and you saw the European jerseys with all the ads all over it, you didn't, there's no way you were like, ew, oh my God. Everyone thought that they were kind of cool. Like they're, they're kind of crazy, you know? And, you know, I'm not saying they have to go to a store and buy those jerseys with all, all the ads on it, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Like, you can't you see the position that the league is in? Can't you see that hockey is, is fighting to compete against the other sports? They're going to have to do things different. They're going to have to be different. And being different sometimes mean, as a fan, you're going to have to do away with some of the traditions that, you know, you're used to. And one of them is, you know, not having ads on the jerseys or the helmets. Yeah, it's so funny because we have so many, they, it's always, there's this, you know, uh, there's obviously the sentiment and it's not wrong is that like the NHL doesn't do a good job marketing its stars, but a part of that and giving them bigger platforms to market their own stars is entail stuff like this. Like, and as listen, I understand the sanctity of the sweater and all this other stuff, but 
you know, it already has an Adidas logo on it, but it's like, oh, they make the jersey. It's different. And like, oh, once you do this, it's like in a, you know, it's like, it this will is like snowball. Pandora's box. Once you, it, once it will, like it will be. No, that is correct. I will. Yeah. I, no, that is. But you're going to have to embrace I'm not, it. I'm not even saying it's not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not even right. that's not correct, but it's like, look, I mean, you know, one, Batman has been reticent for a long time about this. So I don't think, I don't think he, I think he, there's a part of him that I don't even think it's so much catering to traditionalists as much as I think he understands that there is something to be said about the appeal of just like having a clean, you know, this is the team, just the sweater. And even if they do have logos, I think like the Rangers, I, you know, they announced they have training camp, a logo, a small Northwell health logo that you can barely even see. Cause it's just like a font, mm-hmm. you know, and during training camp, I don't know if they're going to even have it during uh, the regular season you know, on their game jerseys, you know, or, and I mean, on their game helmet, because, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't think they, they're, they're one of the teams that are lucky enough to not maybe hurt for the scratch, you know, but at the, so they might not have it, but like, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's, you know, consider it like it's, you know, these are the people that complain, but the, you know, the main time, you know, Buffalo had the terrible, like, but lightning boat, Buffalo slug sticker at times. And Carolina has like 3d decals and stuff. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, if anything, I was, so you know, Detroit, I was, you know, I was joking with the Clink brothers. Detroit is, you know, I forget there's some, uh, some mutual fund thing is like sponsoring them. And like, I thought it was going to be a little Caesars. I thought they were going to have helmets that had a little pizza on it, a pizza they pie should. with a wing sticking out, which would have been great. Like, yeah. it would have been so funny. So yeah, I, to your point, James, is like, you just have to listen. I know skate change is scary. And you, this, you know, the sanctity of the sweater when it was just the boys in the pond and it's just, you know, you, you fight for the name on the front. Like, I get it. But at the same time, uh, yeah, like the Boston Celtics jersey, even with an ad on it, is more prestigious to me than, a, you know, a pristine Kachina jersey with nothing on it. You know what I mean? Well, like, here's the thing. It doesn't, are... doesn't change anything. You just had the reverse retro jersey, and look at the monstrosities that some of those things people and people still <laughs> bought them and loved them. And yeah. you know, it was the talk of the town. Obviously, there was no hockey, so there was really nothing else to talk about. But people were going nuts about them. People loved them. People hated them. It, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, I think they all pretty much, um, you know, sold you know sold all, sold off the shelves, maybe except for the Islander ones because that wasn't really any different but you know they you know they they were a hit and you know it's gonna be a little weird at first to see an ad but it is what it is you know it's coming and if you if you're still in denial that that it's coming just you know get your frustrations out this year because it's coming it's gonna happen on the jerseys it's gonna be on the socks it's gonna be on the helmets within the next 10 years without a doubt there's too much money to be made and you know and and it is what it is. It's not going to change the fabric of the game. It's just, you know, they're going to look different. And I don't, I don't know. No. I don't know what else to tell you. I think, yeah, I think aesthetically my only, I don't, I, cause I definitely don't mind. And I'm happy that it's like, I was just going to say, I was happy that, you know, they put the sticker on the side of the helmet and not on the front, like the, the, you know, in the world championships, they have yeah, the sticker yeah. over the brim. I'm not a fan of that only because it's like, at the end of the day, you're trying to market the player. Right. You can mark it you want while he's on the ice, but like if you're trying to look at his face and your eyes are driven to the top of his helmet because there's a big ass bumper sticker there, then I think it's a little counterintuitive or it's, you know, then, you know, then it's working against you. But if it's on the side of his helmet, like who cares? It doesn't, I don't, it's not like I noticed the little NYR on the side of a helmet before anyway. So if it says, you know, if it says like MSG or network or mass mutual or whatever it is like, or Northwell health, like, you know, it does, I don't notice it doesn't matter. Yeah, and and who knows, you know, I, I the one thing I do think with this is that it's not gonna look exactly like the European jerseys or helmets or, or socks and stuff. I think you'll start to see the NHL do something different and try to make it better. Where you're right, they will start, you know, blending in the ads within the logo, and you know, I think people will get creative with it. Um, this is me just, you know, spitballing here. Uh, who knows? The NHL could totally botch it and just ruin everything. But you know, I I think that the NHL will try to approach it as best they can because they know it's very touchy and it will be a touchy subject, um, you know, for people. So um, I do, I do wonder though, like buying a Jersey at the store, I kind of, you know, it'd be nice to not have to buy the one with the ads on it. Like, 
are they then going to get a piece of the jersey that's sold? Like, I don't, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I, I really don't know either. I don't know the breakdowns of that, uh, you know, especially with so much being made about uh, escrow and revenue sharing with the, the, the state of the league right now and contracts. So I'm not really sure. But, uh, you know, you just got to hope that whatever the league is doing, uh, it's in the best interests of making sure everyone gets paid. The players first, you know, first and foremost. Uh, and yeah, if it helps out the owners too, and just make sure some of those teams that are, you know, that are hurting, especially the ones that are not, not going to have fans are rebuilding and not competitive and just don't get re- you know, revenue money. Like, uh, you know, uh, the, the coyotes, like, yeah, whatever, whatever they have to do. Yeah. And, and so uh, what do you, what are your uh, thoughts on the divisions getting renamed? I, I think talk about something that was Who so cares? harmless like I just, yeah like, exactly i just are you tied to the east west north and and uh what's the other one central division like are you really tied to the the, the locations of the division yeah, like one of the divisions didn't exist until there was no north division it just exists for now and listen i am i mad they didn't take our suggestion for like course. the yager chelios uh, yes of course but at the same time it's I just don't, yeah, what talk about it. and that's a thing. I think they all say, well no, it's obviously it's more about that this is, you know, opening it up. You know, they did the helmet. Now they're doing this. Where is it going to end? It's not going to stop. It's going to be everywhere. And it's like it just it doesn't matter. It's just like I don't know if you've ever watched an NBA on TNT game, but there's branding and logos everywhere and it doesn't I don't notice it. Like maybe I notice it subliminally. You know, it'll like be. after, you know, after I watched the Spurs, for some reason, I'm like, do I need to refinance? And I'm like, I don't know why I thought that. But, you know, <laughs> but, at, but at the time, during, during the time, it's like, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm glued to the, the game and I don't notice that stuff. You kind of you just get used to it like anything else. And it doesn't become it doesn't, hasn't made basketball any worse. You know what I mean? It hasn't made football any worse. It doesn't. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I'm sure people I are. Still I, 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 I will say this. I do. I do understand. You look at sometimes that. I do want there to be at least a, a thoughtfulness to it and a cleanness where sometimes there are some teams, you know, especially overseas teams that maybe look a little, uh, you know, like, like a, like a, a guitar case, you know, from yeah. a, like a punk pop band or something, but I get it. But no, but yeah, I think, I think that that's never, it's never going to get that bad. If there's going to be something, it'll be there, but it'll be probably well thought out. You know, and especially it's got to be worth their while. And Batman has said as much. I think he, you should be lucky that it's him there and not someone else. I do think, and I never thought I'd ever say that about Batman, but you know, he has really railed against this for a long time because he is kind of thinks there should be, you know, it really has to be worth their while to do something like that. Hence why they're only doing helmets right now. And hence why I'm sure it's, you know, uh, it's still going to, they're probably charging a premium to do it, but you know, here we are. And if this helps everyone and helps us have hockey, uh, just watching the World Juniors has been so rewarding during this time where, you know, it's hard to get a sense of normalcy. And last night, I just forgot what was going on in the world. And that's what it was. Uh, it felt good. So, you know, it, I'm happy hockey's back. And if this is what they have to do, I don't I, I have no problem with it. Yeah. And it's listen, the people that are like it, it opened up Pandora's box, like get over it. It's it, you knew this was eventually going to happen. And it's like now I feel like it's the last line of defense is just like, you know, it, it, and it's funny. It's it's just Twitter. Like it, maybe I'm not like maybe I'm naive to the fact there's probably like three guys that are just tweeting, you know, that they're unhappy about it. But, you know, it's funny just to make fun of them anyway. um. Also, I want to end the podcast with uh, something that was sort of brought up prior, but, you know, obviously the East Division or the Mass Mutual Division is the, you know, cream of the crop or obviously the most competitive. Everyone's talking about that. But within that division, Andy, there's a, a group of teams that think they're untouchable and and they kind of have like a Canada arrogance to them prior to the world juniors where they're just penciling themselves into the top four. And I feel like we're kind of like the U S I mean, we got the same colors. We're getting treated like an underdog. Like we don't have a shot to, to be into the playoffs, but how do you feel about the culture of the Boston Bruins, the Washington capitals, the Pittsburgh penguins and the Philadelphia flyers crowning themselves, the four playoff teams that will represent the, uh, a mass mutual division. 
Well, you know, on the one hand, much like Trevor Zegers last night, I like when, you know, you have to have high expectations for yourself and high standards. And if you, if, you know, Boston had, I, you have to, they have kind of been to their credit. They have been, uh, you know, they've been consistent in the last, you know, they haven't gotten it done since their last cup, but they've been in the hunt for at least, you know, almost the whole decade. Uh, you know, and without Chara, you don't, that needs to carry over. Patrice Bergeron is a, you know, been waiting in the wings forever and it's his team now. And, um, you know, I think it behooves him. So, and you look on paper, yeah, they're going to be missing some guys, but yeah, maybe I think that's a team that I think you almost want to keep the expectations up. So that I kind of understand, uh, as far as the other ones go, you know, the penguins are the only one where I'm like, man, I don't like the moves you made Crosby and, Malkin or the other another year and Latang or another year older and I don't really know how the goaltending sh- is going to shake out for them this season and like I said they had some questionable additions I don't know if uh uh what was it Kasperi Kapanen doesn't really yeah move the the needle for me too much so yeah them I don't understand you know listen Philly was good last year uh they have high expectations for themselves you know and it's an AV team so they'll probably get into the postseason but then after that who knows you know uh, but the personnel is good and, you know, they get Nolan Patrick back and Oscar Lindblom. So that's a nice, uh, storyline for them. So I, I don't know if I have a problem with those teams. You know, the, I think the only one we're on paper, I'm like, really is probably Pittsburgh. Cause I don't even, I don't care if you have Crosby and Malkin. It's just that, uh, it's just, yeah, I just don't like the look the cat and the capitals. I really, honestly, they're a team. I don't know what to make. Like, I, I don't know Chara all of a sudden in an f- unfamiliar place. I don't know if they know. I don't know what his usage is going to be. You know, they're the maybe the oldest team in the National Hockey League now. They are. Uh, Ovi has beaten Father Time for a while now, but you just don't know. It, just one year he could look really slow, and maybe he still scores 30 goals in the power play, but maybe you don't know what he does five on five. And, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. So I have the most questions about the Caps and the Penguins, definitely. Uh, I think the Flyer, I, I would pens, I would put strong money on the Bruins and the Flyers, uh, at least figuring in, although in fairness, they don't have Marshand uh, and Poster. They, they won't have, you know, Marshand, no Marshand to start the season. I don't know how long Posternock's going to be out for, but, you know, they still have a good team regardless. And I actually do like some of the moves they made uh, in the offseason, albeit them limited ones. But yeah, those are the only two teams where I'm like, uh, maybe you pump the brakes. You don't really know where they're just like, oh, we're going to be first or second in our division. I'm like, really? Like, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I think the Flyers are the only team I really honestly feel like they'll probably, they're definitely going to be a top four team, but then, you know, I don't know if they go any farther than that, but yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can, it's hard for me to be like, everyone's, you know, fans are high, always high on their team, even if it's misguided and blind. Although, you know, you and I have been pretty uh, reasonable with our expectations. I feel, I feel like we've, well, I feel like a lot of people have that. They, they always say that about us. They're like, oh, I thought it was, like you were gonna, you know, shit talk us, and and you're like very down, like you no, know, it's like no, we're very realistic, and I am very realistic when I say I could see the Rangers grabbing a top four spot in the division. Um, yeah. I I kind of keep quiet though, and and watch, uh, especially you know our uh, our you know fellow fellow hockey podcast network members uh, on Twitter, you know, brag about themselves, kind of beat their chests uh, as the the beast of the East, they're the elite among the elite um you know teams and you know i'm just watching them because it kind of really bothers islander fans the most because islander fans you know you just saw a conference final and now you're at the bottom of the division with you know for no reason really other than i guess you're going to start the season possibly without barzell but i have a feeling they're going to figure that out and uh yeah you lost taze but um you know you're still you know, have privy to one of the best coaches in the NHL. And I'm sure he's got some, you know, something up his sleeve for this new season and, and just like the new schedule. So um, it's just funny that, you know, Islander fans just absolutely get trashed on you know, after their <laughs> best year in a very, very long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, that's a good point. Uh, you know, who honestly, I'll, you know, our, our thoughts obviously recently have been with Henrik Lundqvist and the news that yeah. he's going to get surgery. 
And, you know, he had in his suite, he had said something that was pretty prophetic. We all have our hills to climb, right? Uh, everyone has their own unique uh, challenges and circumstances and all teams have to deal with it, whether it's superstar injuries or a, a lack of true elite talent or have being a young, unproven club like the Rangers. And yeah, I think it's, you know, you look at, uh, we look at the adversity. I would, we, we were just saying the adversity is probably why U.S. were in the position to win. I think they, they learned everything they need to know th- about that team, you know, throughout that short tournament, you know, with every, uh, every game was a different challenge and they had to make adjustments and they had the most, they made the most mistakes uh, without, you know, they were lucky enough to make the most mistakes while still being able to persevere. Whereas Canada didn't have, you know, Canada had, to, uh, you know, a very short time to figure out what their mistakes were and try to figure out how to make those adjustments. And that was the difference, you know? So sometimes, uh, you know, adversity is not always a bad thing. You know, sometimes teams on paper where it's like, they there's nothing wrong with them. They're going to dominate. Well, it took the Tampa Bay lightning. How many seasons of being anointed? Like the future is now, you know, honestly, they weren't ready until they got swept or punched yeah. in the mouth by Columbus and, and swept because then you realize it's like we thought we were we had it. We had the right combination of ingredients, but I don't know. It's not sometimes it's you can give. Listen, you can give uh, me the same ingredients as you give like a master chef. It's not going to come out the same, you know, even if I'm watching him make it doesn't matter, you know. So uh, but yeah, it's going to be listen. We're a week out from NHL hockey. I'm so excited. Uh, you know, I'm still buzzing off this world junior high. You know, we're getting scrimmage notes from training camp. You know, Rangers, if you're listening to this, please show more video of actual scrimmages and things going on. I'm tired of these like snippet videos. Like fans want to see it. It's so easy. Just send someone in with an iPhone for the love of God, please. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the start of the regular season, James. Yeah, and, and you know, so am I, and I, I'm just ready for the games to start. And yeah, at least we have training camp. We had the World Juniors. We'll run off the high until next week. But uh, you know, again, you know, next podcast is you know, it's got to be our best one yet because it is, I think, the last one before uh, you know the New York Rangers actually hit the ice. So again, congratulations to Team USA on winning the gold medal and defeating Canada two nothing. Uh, and congratulations tonight on a shutout. Very well-deserved. And, uh, you know, shout-out to us for being a part of an elite group of the NHL and, you know, being podcast hosts of the best division in hockey, the Mass Mutual Division. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter, at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.